Welcome to our podcast for Generations and Family Business, Past, Present, and Future. Our hosts for this podcast are myself, Tim Schuster, and I'm a senior manager in the Center for Family Business Excellence. And as always with us today is... Hey, good morning. This is Matt Kersner. I'm the director in the center. And today we have a special guest with us, you know, Jonathan Bergman from Tag Associates. And today we're going to be discussing lessons learned in the multifamily office. So Jonathan, would you mind telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and Tag Associates? Gladly. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me today. I'm Jonathan Bergman. I'm the president of Tag Associates. We're a multifamily office based in New York. We manage more than $8 billion on behalf of 110 different families. We also provide family office services, which include bookkeeping, bill payment, tax planning, estate planning, aviation and aircraft management, property management, insurance oversight, you name it. If it touches your personal finances, we can help assist. Oh, that's fantastic. So, you know, before we were recording this podcast today, you know, we were discussing kind of the lessons learned, right? I mean, going through the business that you're in right now. So let's jump into the meat and potatoes. You know, what is some of the guiding principles that you're seeing? Right. So our firm's been in existence for 36 years. I've been a practitioner for 22. One of the most important things when you're meeting with a new family is just outlining the goals and objectives. Now, I'm sure every advisor says that, and it may sound trite, but it's true. You know, what we do when we meet with new families is we, we sit and we have a, a session where we gather data. You know, what are you trying to accomplish? Do you want to pass on a, an enormous financial legacy? Do you want to spend all of your money? Do you want to pass on an enormous financial legacy and spend a lot of money? Do you have philanthropic goals? You know, tell us about your family. Tell us about your children. Does anyone have special needs? You know, we really want to dig in and understand what the family is trying to accomplish. And then we'll put together a blueprint, a plan for helping them accomplish all their goals. That's excellent. I mean, we do a very similar process in the center where we call it a discovery phase, right? And one of the things, it's, it's almost like being a, a doctor, right? Is, a general really, practitioner where somebody says, you know, we got this pain in our hip, right? I always use mm-hmm. this when we do our podcast. But then when we go through the process of doing this diagnostic, you know, physical, if you want to call it that, we find out that the pain is not in the hip. It's actually in the knee radiating to the hip, right? They just don't know what they don't know. They're just feeling the symptoms. So it's great when we hear other professionals do a similar process where they they don't just come in and say, okay, here's our package, right? You really customize what you're doing. Yeah, so we are 70, a staff of 70 serving 110 families. So we actually can take the time, like you guys, mm-hmm. to take the time to understand exactly what the family needs and, and provide that personal attention and feedback. It's great. I have a just a clarifying definition for the audience is you know, you use the term multi-office. Just so everybody's aware of what that means, people are familiar with family office, but what does multi-office mean? Right, so we're, we're a multi-family office. So a single family office would typically be one family managing the personal financial affairs for one family. We are a multifamily office managing the personal financial affairs for 110 families. We're owned independently and privately. We're not owned by any of our families. So that's the distinction. So you can think of us as 110 single-family offices under one roof, sharing resources, sharing investment research, and the advisors. We see one plan that's great or one estate planning technique that's one family's using. We can certainly suggest it to several other families if appropriate. Uh, So it's almost like best practices, right? Exactly. That's exactly right. So, you know, this is great when you have a multifamily or someone who's coming in who, you know, is looking at this from, hey, this is great. You know, I have this great plan set in motion. You know, what do you do from a monitoring perspective, right? Making 
sure that they stay on the tracks. Right. Following the discovery phase, we help set up an investment policy statement that outlines the client's goals and objectives, as well as the investment parameters. So that would include, you know, what type of risk are they willing to take? You know, are there any constraints in the portfolio? For instance, you know, avoid tobacco or avoid some other vice stocks. You know, what is their tax residency? What are their cash flow needs? We put together a plan, and ultimately we have an asset allocation that we and the client agree with. Once we have that plan agreed, the investment policy statement, and we do that during a calm period, you know, that establishes the parameters for the portfolio. And what we want to do is we want to manage to that asset allocation, and we'll implement using all sorts of different investment managers within the asset allocation. But on an at least monthly basis, we're comparing the client's portfolio to the pre-established asset allocation. And what the asset allocation does, the investment policy statement, is that it allows us to be disciplined. So, you know, if stocks have a great run and someone's supposed to have 50% invested in stocks and now it's 56 or 57% in stocks, we'll say, hey, you know, th- you're overweight right now. It's time to cut back. And what we're trying to do is, again, guard against fear or euphoria. Mm-hmm. So in euphoric times where the market's running and everyone says the market can only go up, 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 well, we want to say, hey, you know, let's take some profits. Now's a good time to take profits. Let's take that 57% in stocks and bring it back to 50 but it also allows us to buy when there's fear, so a fear, fear on the streets. So if the markets declines and stock allocation in this client portfolio has gone from 50% down to 43%, we'll say, hey, it's time to buy back some stocks. And you know, typically, if the stocks have declined from 50 to 43% in the portfolio, that means the market's down 14, 15, 16%. You know, some clients may say, hey. Uh, I don't want to buy. The market's down. Well, that's the precisely the time where you want to buy. So this investment policy statement allows us to be pretty disciplined. Yeah. That said, I'm going to completely contradict myself right now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Keep everyone on their toes, right? right? I mean, that's always the plan. You should be flexible. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I learned most during the global financial crisis, which I think, you know, every advisor should have lived through that. It was, you know, I aged 15 years and one. <laughs> but... It was a great experience. And what we learned was, you know, during a financial crisis, yeah, you, you have to be mindful of all the risks in a portfolio. You need to be see where all the risks and, and landmines are. Um, and that is the time when you find out where all the landmines are. Yeah. But it is the time to look at your asset allocation and say, hey, stocks are down 40%. We should be buying right now. Now, I don't necessarily know if the stock market is going to recover tomorrow, next week, next year, or in five years. But I know based on our asset allocation, now is the time to buy. So, I mean, I'll give you an anecdote uh, from the global financial crisis. We had a client, and this is deep in the financial crisis, and the client said, I want you to sell my stocks. And this is when the S&P 500 was at 750, Mm -hmm. which is pretty low. I think the bottom was 666. So the stock market was at 750, and he said, I want you to sell and buy it back when the S&P 500 goes to 900. And I scratched my head, and I said, that doesn't make any sense. We want to be buying now, not selling now. And he said, but I just can't stomach this anymore. But I brought him back to his asset allocation, his investment policy statement. I said, look, you know, we said we would have 50% in stocks. You're at 40 right now. I certainly don't think we should sell anymore. In fact, I think we should buy some. And slowly we did. We bought some more, and that was a great time to oh, do that. Great. I wasn't necessarily timing the market, per se. Yeah. It was just rebalancing back to the strategic asset allocation that we set forth during a calm time. So all this is great stuff. So I work with, obviously, families that are transitioning wealth 
to the next generation, right? We're in that a lot of baby boomers actually didn't want to retire or start transitioning wealth because of the financial crisis that was going on. They felt that they had to recoup what they lost. But now we're starting to see a lot of trends where they're starting to give shares to their children or transition wealth. And what I'm finding is that the next generation needs a lot of wealth management training. Mm -hmm. So just interested about lessons learned, what do you recommend to families who, one, are interested in becoming part of a family office or a multifamily office? And what recommendations would you give to the next generation about how do they start? What do they, what should they do? That's a, it's a great question. Well, I very much believe that young adult children should have some money that they invest, a small amount, a very small amount, but I want them to invest and I want them to make mistakes because those will be extremely valuable lessons that they learn and it hopefully won't cost too much. Typically, one creates wealth through concentrated risk, and when, you, you know, when you're working with an advisor or a multifamily office like Tag Associates, you've created an enormous amount of wealth, and at that point, you're supposed to do, we diversify the risk rather than concentrate the risk. Well, when you're an adult child, and let's say it's the first time you've had access to $100,000 to invest, a mutual fund is highly diversified, and, and typically, well, it can go up and down with the stock market, you're not going to have a permanent loss of capital. But some young adults want to pick stocks. Some young adults have friends that mm -hmm. have business ventures. Some of those business ventures are good. Often they're not. Yep. So, you know, I want young adults to have access to some capital, a limited amount, and I want them to invest and I want them to learn. And I want, you know, I, I don't want them to make mistakes, but inevitably they will make mistakes and those will be great lessons learned. And, you know, we can sit down and say, well, why did you do that? You know, I call what, it research and development. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah really. Right. It is. That's exactly what it is. It's R and D. Right. I would almost call it education. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. Right? It's, 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 it's investment management tuition. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Exactly. That's and great. it's with the small little piece. Now, right. something here just to kind of put this all together. You know, what can we do, right, from the Center for Family Business sure. Excellence, Matt? Like, what is something that we can do to kind of help each other out in this regard? Yeah. So I think a couple things that come to mind is one. This is a start, right? Part of my research, there's about $10.4 trillion that are going to be transitioned in the next five to 10 years. It's a lot. Right? Yeah, it's, it's a, a lot ton. of money mm -hmm. that's going to be transitioned. And we're starting to see families that are really trying to figure out what they want to do. They want to learn about family offices. They want to learn about multifamily offices. So I think this is a good start just to get it out there. I do think that a big piece is when what we do for the Family Center, and this is a question that I want to ask about, you know, what makes you a little different than the other, you know, we'll call it your competition, but we try to find the right cultural fit for the families, right? We just don't say, okay, we think that you should go with X, Y, and Z firm. We really try to match it up. We try to look at the culture of the family, what their goals, because you know when we do our discovery, we really find that out. And we also find this out when there's a huge liquidity event, right? That's when we really understand about this transition. So it's really about, we need to get educated of what firms provide mm -hmm. and then matching them up with the right clients. So that now raises the question, you know, what makes TAG different? What makes you stand out from your competitors? All right. That's, that's a great question. Well, first and foremost, you know, we're an independent objective advisor. We're only paid by one party, and that is our client. So we sit on the same side of the table as our client. We're fully aligned. We only act in their best interest. We have no 
vested interest to do otherwise or financial interest to do otherwise. So that's first and foremost. Secondly is we do have the family office services we can offer. You know, we can do bill payment. We can do bookkeeping. We can help with aircraft and property management, estate planning, and tax planning. So we have a full suite of services, and you know we're all working in one location. So, you know, I can walk down the office and speak to the bookkeeper about a, a payment or a tax payment or w- whatever that affects one of my families. Thirdly, especially given our our average client size, we have a deep expertise and foundation in alternative investments. So roughly one-third of our $8 billion is invested in alternatives. So that's hedge funds, private equity, co-investments, direct deals, private debt. So we've spent a lot of time building out our team, and we do 700 manager meetings each year. Wow. Can you say that again? Wow. 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 That's a lot of communication and transferring knowledge. It's great. Yeah. yeah. So we're making investments that most firms do not get access to, and we're providing that to our clients. We also, given our size, we, and we, we negotiate fees, and we try to get the best deal for our clients, and that's always passed along directly to our clients. That's great. That's awesome. So, Jonathan, you know, how can people reach out to you? Well, we have a website, uh, <laughs> your, your modern-day brochure. Love it. Uh, it's www. T-A-G-A-S-S-O-C dot com, tagasos.com. We're in New York at 810 7th Avenue. Fantastic. And and just so the listeners know, Jonathan's information will be posted on the website as well. You know, thank you, Jonathan, for being with us today. And thank you for listening to Generations and Family Business, Past, Present, and Future, as part of the Eisner Amper podcast series. If you have any questions or there's a topic you'd like us to cover, email us at contact at eisneramper.com. Visit eisnerampart.com for more information on this and a host of other topics. We look forward to have you listening in our next Eisner Amper podcast.